1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 218 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Alison Tate. How are you, Al?
0: Well, I'm going to go off script a little bit here and just say I'm having a moment. I'm just, I'm having a moment because I've just realized that our first episode of 2018 is episode 218.
1: Oh, there you go. It's It's like we,
0: it's like we did this on purpose.
1: It's like we planned this. Of course we did. Of course we did. Of course and we did. What am I saying? Of course we organized. planned it. It's all coming together beautifully, <laughs> isn't it? How are you? Happy New Year. Happy How exciting. New year. It's 2018. It what is. are the big plans for the year, Al?
0: Oh, yeah, wow. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. Plans are an interesting thing because I, I put up a post on my Facebook page, you know, as one does in the first week of – of uh, January, saying, you know, what are your goals? What are your writing goals for the year? And mine, my writing goals for the year are to finish three projects I'm working on and start another idea that I have. So that was mine. And then everybody was putting in there, you know, putting in the comments their, their various uh, goals and things like that. And one of the things that I think struck me was. Um, and I'm contemplating writing a blog post about this because, you know, I have so much time to write blog posts in the (laughs) holidays, not. Um, But is how incredibly complicated some of the goals are in the sense that, you know, it's I'm going to finish this and do this and get an agent and get published and blah, blah, blah and take over the world. And I'm thinking, you know what, I think maybe one thing, I think maybe focus on one thing for this year is a good way forward because I think if you – try to do a thousand things, you end up doing nothing. So I I really think that the best goals, writing or otherwise, are generally simple. So I think if you've got a list of, you know, I'm going to, you know, write 15 short stories, get published, you know, finish my manuscript, find an agent um, and become a bestseller all by December 31, um, my advice would probably be just to scale that back a little bit and um, maybe focus on getting one short story published or maybe focus on getting your first draft done or edited or I don't know. What do you think?
1: Am I being a little bit too old school here? No, I think that that makes complete sense because when you set achievable goals and something that you can definitely do within a certain time frame, you feel good. And what usually happens is that you exceed that goal. So yes. you not only do you achieve that goal, you have so much momentum that chances are you probably achieve your bigger goal anyway, but yeah. if you actually start with a bigger goal, sometimes it's just too overwhelming and you think it's too high in the sky and it's not so much a goal, it's more like a dream. Like, yeah, that's right. I, like, I think if
0: you're, no, not at all. And I think if you're sitting there with an on your to-do list is get published. <laughs> I think that you need to, as I say, scale it back a little and, and look at like, okay, well, what are some of the things that I could do to achieve that goal? Maybe not this year, but maybe, you know, one or two things that I can do this year that will bring that closer. So maybe that's, I'm going to go to the you know the the um, the festival or the conference or the mm. you know I'm going to head to Kid Lit or I'm going to head to the Romance Writers Festival or I'm going to connect
1: uh, with more publishers on Twitter. Or I'm going
0: to connect with some publishers. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to pitch or mm. I'm going to um, yeah I'm going to do something that will that will take me to, that will get me get the ball rolling on that. But because get published is just such a a um, it's a big statement rather than mm. a goal, I think, in some ways. It's um, a vision. So there's that. Yeah, it's a vision. And it's really important to have that vision, but I think you've also yes. got to, you know, you've got to come back to those simple steps that you can start to do to make you feel like you're achieving along the way because otherwise mm. you get to, you know, July and you go, well, I'm not published and I haven't done anything to be towards becoming published. How can I do this by the end of the year, you know? So I think there's that. And the other thing that came up in that first week of January, which was an interesting thing, was I received, you know, as I do, I get lots of messages and emails and things via various um, via my various channels. I received several that, that talked about how scared people were of, you know, taking a step of some kind, whether that be I'm too scared to submit my work, I'm too scared to ask someone to read it, I'm too scared to. Mm-hmm. And and I I think it's important to talk about that fear aspect of that because it holds a lot of people back. I think. Yes. Um, and we talked about it. Uh, I put up a post in our So You Want to Be a Writer Facebook community, which is just turning into such a wonderful, um, supportive place for writers. I, yes. It's great. Just talking about the fact that, you know, everybody that's ever had a book published has been where you are everybody's yes. scared like it's it's a big thing to put yourself out there it's a massive thing to give your work to someone to read or to submit it to an agent yep. and brace yourself for rejection or or whatever it is you know everybody feels it and the only way that you will ever achieve that get published goal is to actually you know get is to push through that fear and do it anyway and um and it, it is scary and I, I you know I just wanted to acknowledge that you know, I don't know a single author who, who hasn't been scared, either of failure or of success. You know, mm. there's two sides to that coin. And a fear of success holds people back, too, because if you achieve all those things that you want to achieve, it changes all of the other things in your life. And sometimes that can, you know, that balance of, you know, people who who can write in a corner around a family um, really sometimes... You know the the impact of actually having that book out there, and then having to do all the things that go with that. So going to places and leaving the family and doing the roots, you know, it it breaks up your whole family routine. Trust me, I know. Um, yeah. And that can actually that can be just as scary for some people as well. So, you know, I talked about that. You know, we talked about it in the group, but I, I just wanted to acknowledge that um, it is a scary thing, and lots of authors feel it. And every published author that has ever managed to, you know, break through, go go places, get their book published, do whatever, has been where you are and the only way mm. to get there is to push through it.
1: Yeah. Get, I think the, the mantra to that for 2018 for all our listeners is get out there and show your work. And Absolutely. I think that that's so important. And, and try and get over the fear to get yeah. out there and show your work because what's that famous saying? Um, feel miss... the fear and do it anyway. And yes, I think. that one. Feel is that the, fear is that the and surf feel... T-shirt? No, I love that. <laughs> it, feel the fear and do it anyway. But also, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So enter the competitions. There are so many short story competitions out now compared to five years ago. Like. Oh. I can't
0: believe like it. so
1: many more with yeah. decent prices. It's yeah. it's crazy. Um, uh, so get out there and sh- let people see your work. I think that that's so important. And I think that that happens in any kind of creative process. And I I sometimes need to remember that in terms of writing and I'm and and I'm constantly being reminded um, about that now that I'm doing art and painting because when I started doing it last year I was just posting anything on Instagram because I actually didn't care as in I didn't care what people think because it was just this fun activity just like when I post my lunch you know what I mean it, it I was just stubbing, yeah. I was just putting <laughs> up stuff up there for no apparent reason but Other people resonated with with it and it got out there and I started getting commissions, at which point I started thinking, oh, my God, I should be taking myself seriously, doing my painting. And then I did start taking it more seriously and then I was crippled with fear and I was like, oh, I can't post that up there because it's not not as good as I want it to be. I can't post that up there because Mm -hmm. it's not an actual commission or whatever. And interestingly... Mm. I, and I was paralysed with that. And interestingly, I started chatting to a much more experienced painter than me, and she just said, just post it anyway. Obviously, don't post the complete rubbish, but just <laughs> post it anyway, you know, and, and – and because it's it's tracking your progress. And that very day I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. So a particular piece of um, art that I thought, you know, that's nice, but it might not be the best thing I've ever done. Or I, And remember, that's my judgment on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was scared to put it up. But I put it up and as a result of it I got a commission on that very one. And that happened that very day that she gave me that advice. So just put it out there because you, how are people going to appreciate your work or discover your writing unless you do? very very glad you brought that up Al because it's so I think it should set the tone for the year for so many writers yeah I agree I absolutely agree so we want to give a big shout out to Lulu 1972 I'm guessing Lulu was born in 1972 who was kind enough to leave us a review on iTunes She said, I love these podcasts. They keep me inspired to write and I have learned a lot about the writing processes of others. They are especially valuable when it's difficult to write because I can still attain a sense of achievement by listening to them. The Facebook group is a daily prompt to remember who I am, a writer. I also enjoy your rapport with each other. It makes me smile. Thank you, Al and Val. Oh, well, there you Mm. go. She must have liked it when I called you a goober last year, clearly. (laughs) It's working for us, Val. Our sophisticated
0: banter is working.
1: Exactly, very sophisticated. So, thank you, Lulu1972. And of course, if you have 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it helps us in the rankings. And of course, if you haven't yet joined our awesome listener community on Facebook, all you need to do is go to Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community. And click to join. We'd love to have you in there. It's such an awesome place. I love everyone who's in there. It's just so, such a, I don't know, it makes me feel good hanging out in there. Anyway, (laughs) let us move on. (laughs) Let us move on to our giveaway this week. So our giveaway this week, oh, this is so cool. Now, I know this is a long bow, Al, but you know that I'm a bit partial to action movies? Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, we all know that.
1: So Action I know movies that when- and
0: Real Housewives of New Jersey, isn't that it? Not
1: New Jersey, no. I would not. Oh, be sorry. New
0: Jersey.
1: Anyway, um, so I know it's a long bow. And usually when we have our movie giveaways, it's got something to do with writing. But I love <laughs> Liam Neeson action movies because one of my okay. favorite movie quotes from for, of all time. Is the speech he does in Taken. And I quote it like incessantly.
0: <laughs> right. I don't actually know the speech he does in Taken.
1: I won't embarrass myself to to quote it, but it's when his daughter is kidnapped and he's talking to mm. the baddie and he's basically threatening the baddie. You know, mm. Google it. I've put the YouTube video in I can't the-
0: believe you're not gonna actually do me an impression though, really? <laughs> you can't uh, – give me a, just a small quote from it then so I oh. can set the scene in my head.
1: Okay. Come on. so I'm ready. I did a version of this. So when my cousin started dating this new guy, right? Right. Um, and I'm an only child so my cousin is a bit like my sister, I suppose, um, and I want her to date a good guy, of course. And yeah. so when my cousin started dating – this new guy. I kind of gave him a version of this, a version of this speech, as in is if he ever hurt her, this is what was gonna happen. Oh. So this is what Liam Neeson says. I don't know who you are, I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you, you don't have any I I can tell you I don't have any money. I didn't say that bit. I, I said, you know, if you hurt oh. my if I, you hurt my cousin, this is what's gonna happen to you. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills I have acquired over a very long career, skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that will be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you and I will kill you.
0: So the whole time you are saying that, I have this vision of you with the cousin's new boyfriend, and I'm thinking to myself, what's she going to do, fling apostrophes at him? Like, what, what skills do you have that are going to take this guy down? I will move your full stops and you will not know what hit you.
1: Well, my skills shall remain a mystery for now. i feel i feel we're
0: going very off off core you know topics here but whatever
1: (laughs) anyway so sorry to digress i love that speech so much and so i've watched taken one taken two and taken three and liam neeson's in this new movie called the commuter so if i did have to draw a very long bow you could say that people who love action and thriller You know, writing can can potentially go to this movie to look at the plot. But we have ten double passes to the commuter to give away to give away. And so this is an action-packed thriller starring Liam Neeson as an ordinary man caught up in a high-stakes criminal conspiracy. So there's Liam Neeson, Vera Farmiga, Sam Neill, Elizabeth McGovern. In this fast-paced whodunit, Liam Neeson plays Michael, an insurance salesman whose daily commute is interrupted by a mysterious stranger. Michael is presented with an extraordinary opportunity and a dangerous choice. What would you do? So Mm -hmm. if you would like to win... One of ten double passes to the commuter, then go to writerscenter.com.au slash win and make sure you enter. Clo- the entries close on the 22nd of January. So writerscenter.com.au slash win. See you at the commuter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. I, and I <laughs> hope you're all not scarred by Vow's <laughs> Liam Neeson in person. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so, owl. Oletko mm. valmis <laughs> vikon sanat? I decided also, to change. Do it
0: I up say a do I say so sanat? Is, is that where
1: we oh, I go? think sanat is the word words? <laughs> <laughs> what language? Are, what language are you speaking to me in, Valerie? That is Finnish for. Are you ready for the words of the week? <laughs>
0: finish. All right. So I, I'm, I'm trying to work out whether I sort of say so etco or so oh, valmus because my Finnish oh, is a little rusty, yeah, I must admit. I
1: will find out for you in future. You, I'm going to need the response. Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay, no worries. So um, I decided to change it up a bit because I do love language and I thought, mm-hmm. why not throw in a couple of others? So I did actually ask you in Finnish, are you ready for the words of of the week, changing it up again, oh. right? So it's oh. not just one word, it's some words. Because okay. it's about the phrase to make no bones. Now oh. we've all heard that phrase and you use it like, yeah. let's make no bones about it. The movie was awful. And I'm not referring to the commuter. No. Of course so not. it and of course it means let's be direct and honest about what we think without any risk we might not be understood properly. mm So where does this phrase come from? Bones don't seem to have anything to do with honesty. So it's actually likely the phrase came from the 15th century when finding bones in your broth, like, you know, your broth, your soup, was troublesome. Mm -hmm. So finding bones in something eventually came to mean that you took issue with it. So that's where to make no bones comes from. Uh Wow. Now you can sleep tonight.
0: I, yep, I'll sleep <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. really well. <laughs> Do you think that was interesting? That's kind of weird, like in a funny way. Like, how, how did they, like, I always find it fascinating that they decide that that's where it comes from. We're going to go back, you know, four or 500 yes. years and we're going to come up with that particular um, meaning, which is. Yes, yeah, well,
1: I, I did say it's likely, it's not for sure. Maybe. About it. All right. <laughs> I, I'm happy to go with it. You know,
0: it's it's a step up from your Finnish, so I'm okay.
1: <laughs> I I'd, I'd like to speak Finnish. I think that would be cool.
0: Or so would I? But I'm just worried about the if we have and hello, if we have any Finnish speakers out there who have just listened to you murder the Finnish language. Yeah. I
1: have. I will say though, I once formally had training in Finnish pronunciation. Not recently, so I probably oh, was, got that phrase wrong. Was this,
0: was this also during your Latin lessons? Why did you have formal because training in Finnish pronunciation?
1: How weird is this? I used to go to this particular okay. cafe. This was overseas. And the cafe, the guy who made me my egg sandwiches um, one day said to me, my customer, like so it was the um, uh, office next door to the cafe, is looking for a lady with a nice voice. <laughs> I went ah oh. anyway I he, they, he introduced me I ended up being um voicemail talent so I was in I was the voicemail voice for thousands of companies one of which was Finnish and they had the most complicated things on their voicemail so they got me a coach in pronouncing all of the Finnish names and all of the Finnish things I had to say and I did their voicemail <laughs> Are you serious I had no idea.
0: Is this one of those secret talents that you were going to take out the cousin's boyfriend with? Because this well, is a secret talent that I had no idea that you had. I will voicemail you today.
1: I <laughs> know. Oh, How weird's that? So, I mean, what did you have to say
0: in English? Just to add, give me the English version.
1: Oh, well, you know, so, well, I was the voice for um, Planet Hollywood as well. So, I would say it's like <laughs> we have burgers, fries. <laughs> like oh my lord I was the voice for Estee Lauder um I rang up once this lady who I'd never rung up before but I knew her a long time ago and um I rang her and I said oh hello can I speak to Annette because it was Annette and Annette said (laughs) as opposed to someone else right no I said hello is that Annette and she said Hi, Val. And I went, how in the world would you know it was me? I have never spoken to you on the phone before. And she said, I hear your voice every day when I want to retrieve my voicemail.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. Honestly. See, I just find it fascinating that we've known each other all these years and you still have the capacity to surprise me. (laughs)
1: Yeah, but anyway, we digress. That was why I got Finnish uh, voice coaching. But we're gonna okay. move on to because it's the start of 2018. We thought that we would talk about ten great tips from ten different writers, didn't we?
0: Uh, yes, we did decide that. That was yep, good decision. <laughs>
1: So let's plunge straight into it. We're going to kick off with Jackie French, who's such an awesome writer and such a colourful character too, isn't she, Al?
0: She is. So I... So Jackie, I interviewed Jackie French for episode 214, um, so one of the more recent uh, episodes that we did, and it was one of my top five interviews of the whole year. And And I did a, a lot of great interviews last year, so it was not easy for me to actually come up with my, you know, five um, tips and options for this particular section of our show today. Um, but I would say that the interview with Jackie was a standout for me, and I think it was because... We talked about a lot of things, and she had some fantastic advice for writers. And I loved the fact that her three tips at the end were, to me, quite, um, quite different. In the sense that we often get a lot of similar, um, you know, tips repeated because it's they're great advice. They're, they are the main simple tips that people need to remember over and over again. But I found Jackie's to be really interesting. But one of the things that I really enjoyed about our conversation was the, the part of our discussion where we talked about the fact that she writes regularly about really difficult themes and she writes for children. So a lot of the stuff that she covers in her books is um, particularly, you know, her historic um, fiction, etc., is not. it's not easy reading and yet she manages to package it up in such a way that children love her stories and not only do children love her stories but um, the gatekeepers as people refer to teachers, parents, you know, librarians, blah, 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 are happy to put those books in kids' hands because what often happens is difficult themes, um, with difficult themes, is parents are reluctant to hand them over to children because they don't want to upset their kids. They're trying to protect their kids from the difficulties of the world. But, you know, as Jackie said, kids are interested. They just need it given to them in such a way that they can, A, comprehend and, B, cope with. So I, I think that that conversation we had around that was was a really standout, you know, it was a standout out. Discussion in a standout interview. So, um, so that was two, uh, episode two hundred and fourteen, uh, the, epi- the uh, interview with Jackie French. So that would be that was one of my top five for the year. What about you, Val? Talk. Yeah. Let, let's go through what. Tell me about you know one of your favourite interviews.
1: Well. <laughs> I thought an interesting one, which was a surprise interesting one, to be honest, uh, was Brett Battles, who was episode 216, also not that long ago. And I thought it was really interesting because we tracked his entire journey in the interview, uh, starting off being traditionally published and then moving into self-publishing and the system The the exact system that he uses, uh, you know, right down to I'm going to write four books or three books or whatever it is that he's decided um, for this year and then I'm going to do promotion in this way. So the system that he uses in order to earn more than six figures as a self-published author. So he Mm -hmm. knew from a very young age, like since he was 11 years old, that he was going to be a novelist. He was telling people in the fifth grade, I'm going to be a novelist. So to his credit, he's really pursued that and he did go the traditional path and for various reasons it kind of worked kind of didn't and he has much more success as a uh, as a self-publisher and one of the reasons he has that success is that he treats it um, you know he he makes sure his books look professional they're professionally edited they're top quality they uh, all have a similar look so it really does look like it's coming from a publishing house which it is it's coming from his publishing house and the the fact that because he can keep them going and he can – as in he can have now 30 or so books available, uh, people who discover him can then, if they like him, buy 30 other books very easily. And he's selling his back catalogue very, very effectively so that um, that is what helps him get up to the – over six figures a year and I just think it was a really interesting breakdown of his journey of how he's managed to do that so um I'm glad we interviewed Brett Mm. but moving on from self-publishing then to 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 regular speaking
0: speaking of breakdowns um I think that the interview with Marissa Pintado um which was it was episode 182 so it was you know, away, away back there in the in the archive, um, was a really interesting one because, of course, she's a, a publisher, and that we had a very interesting conversation about how publishing houses, you know, choose books from the slush pile, or you know how they and how they come up with their. Um, with their, you know, writing lists and the kinds of things that are taken into consideration for that, you know, how it's maybe not just necessarily about your book, but what else they've got coming up. And um, she gave a really, really good insight into the workings of a publishing house. And I think for that reason, it was definitely worth, you know, it was a really good interview. And she was really chatty, which is always, you know, great because she she wasn't sort of like. I think there's a there's there's a sort of that the publishers have. This reputation of being these, you know, ice cool people who are, you know, behind in in their ivory towers, waiting to crush the dreams of, you know, <laughs> writers everywhere. And I think she, mm-hmm. you know, she's so personable and so friendly. I think she she uh, it really helps to kind of break that. As 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 to be frank, are most publishers that I have ever met and spoken to in my whole life, and I've met and spoken to quite a few. Yes. Um, they're just really great people who love writing and books. And I think the more that you can listen to them and you know as as we talked about up earlier go and meet them at at festivals and conferences mm. and things the more you start to understand that this is this is about people and it's about people who are passionate about reading and who are just looking for great books to give to you know the people that they that they're distributing books to so um you know it's it's definitely worth a listen i think just to kind of get an insight into what publishers are all about and how they work
1: yeah definitely um, I really also enjoyed uh, chatting to Caroline Baum. Now, I have a lot of respect for Caroline. I've read her work as a journalist, uh, as in she's a journalist, for yeah, many years. She, great she, articles. she not only writes great articles that are just. Full of insights and um, very well researched, um, she's also a great interviewer because she does a lot of the interviews, um, you know, at the Sydney Writers' Festival. She is passionate about books. She does a lot of book reviews and and um, a lot of work writing about the literary world. So I actually think that it would have been such a hard place to come from because a. You're coming to it as a journalist where you do not use the word I and she wrote a memoir. So usually as a journalist she has to be objective and and not um, talk about herself. But then B, she's actually written about her peers, as in she's written about other authors for so long and analysed their work, analysed their stories, read so many books. I just thought that it would have been such a hard thing to then – Write your own, because you've got all yeah. these other things in your brain. And yeah, she did absolutely. Did say that it was intim- she, it was it was intimidating? Because she, the the she's been you know writing critical analysis of other people, so now mm. that was going to happen to her, and there might be expectations out there, and she had yeah. to kind of not think of that and not try and imitate any of anybody else who she's read and analyzed herself. So it's. I just thought good honour for that. So that really resonated with me personally. And she was just such an interesting interview. I personally resonated with her book. I really enjoyed her book, um, which is called Only. Um, And she's an only child. And as I mentioned, so am I. So I resonated with so many things in it they are just related. And we had quite a good laugh even after the interview about all of the things that that other people probably wouldn't relate to unless they had no siblings. Mm -hmm. And – The other part of it, which I actually forgot to mention in the interview, but I'll mention it now, and I just think it's just so kind of cool. So I'm browsing the internet, right? And um, I'm, because I'm into kind of looking at pretty pictures and interiors and stuff, and I'm looking at designer rugs because I have a. That designer rugs is a is a brand, um, and I'm because I have a rug from that that place, designer rugs, and I'm looking at it at the other rugs, and there is a whole range of rugs designed by Caroline Baum. <laughs> <laughs> did you buy a Caroline Baum designed rug? I had well, no I did idea not. she designed rugs. How is that possible? I know, so not only she's an awesome journalist. And uh, wrote a brilliant memoir. Not only a good, you know, literary crit- critic, but she designs these awesome rugs as well. So I just, <laughs> I just think Caroline's cool. That's it. <laughs> it.
0: Clearly, I think you and Caroline have a lot in common, just quietly. <laughs> All right. So moving on, I'm going mm. to go to my next favorite and my the this one was an interesting one too. This was um the interview that I did with Gary Disher for episode mm. 196. And so not only did Gary Disher have a great voice, which you know, I always you know, I do like to to kind of comment on a great voice. Um but he was it was a very interesting interview because of course it was about his Um, his latest novel which is literary fiction which is called Her Mm. Um, but we talked about how because he also writes crime fiction he writes you know really well um, received and awarded crime fiction and I asked him whether or not that sort of ever impacted on the plotting you know because obviously you know it's so much about crime fiction is about plot and so much about literary fiction, if you believe what was what's been written on the internet recently, is is the fact that literary fiction doesn't have any, um, but which is not true. By the way, I'm just going to put that out there. It's not true. Yeah, yeah. However, the the focus is not as much on plot as it is in crime fiction. And I asked him about whether or not that that sort of crime background has impacted on his literary fiction as he's gone along. And he went through some of the techniques that he uses um, and some of the things that he, that he, you know, used in his latest novel that were, uh, had roots in crime genre um, and i just found it really interesting it was he had some terrific tips for writers and that particular section where he talked about plot um, was worth the price of admission for the entire interview so if you haven't listened to that one um, then i would highly recommend it
1: yeah, awesome. Gary Disher. So <clears throat> that was, uh, what was that? Episode 196. 196. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Caroline Baum was um y- 156, by the way, for anyone who wants <clears throat> to check that out. Another good one was um, <clears throat> Pamela Hart who is episode 168. And Pamela Hart, whose other name is Pamela Freeman, is our Director of Creative Writing uh, at the Australian Writers' Centre and has written more than 30 books. So the amount of incredible advice and insight this woman has is, is, is off the charts. And I'm I can honestly say that every time I talk to her, which is quite frequently actually since she's one of our presenters, um, uh, every time I talk to her I learn something new, either about the creative writing process or about a a method of research that I just had not thought of before um, or about the development of the character and, and how to develop a particular character or about a, a, an interesting factoid that's in one of her books that um, – because the thing with her books, the historical fiction books, is that not only can you enjoy them, um, you know, from a, just as in their great stories, I love reading them because – and her last one was a, a letter from Italy. Um, I love reading them because without seeming like I'm learning – I'm constantly learning something new, and you know how mm. like when you watch The Crown. Do you watch The mm. Crown? I or do. I love, you, it. Yeah, love it. I'm obsessed. So when you're mm. watching something like The Crown, I sit there with my iPad and I, I look stuff up. You know. Oh, so do I. I'm googling. Up. You know what happened to Princess Mark? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This is what happens when I am. You know, after I finished, or after I've read a a chunk of Pamela's book and I put it down to make the cup of tea or whatever, I'm on the iPad because it's the exact same experience with like watching The Crown because I'm so fascinated by a particular thing that she said and 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 I know that it is steeped in truth and so mm. I want to find out more and and it's just such a great experience to be able to do mm. that because I feel I get so mm. much more out of the book. But, yeah, mm. Pamela's just great to listen to because she's full of great advice. She's episode 168. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, is Moving it me? you, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Am I back? Oh, sorry. Um, I was listening as I hummed along there. I really was. I got out briefly. Um, Okay, so we where are we? Oh, Tori De Roche. Okay, so Tori De Roche, episode two hundred and two. Now we had a terrific chat, and I I loved it because she wrote a great memoir about a lovely about a love story, Um, and then she had to promote it after the love story had broken up. So we had a really interesting conversation about memoir, about putting your life out there, and about the repercussions of what that can be like for you. Because you know, if you write you know, swept away, um, the great love story that occurs on a, on a yacht and then you find that the relationship falls apart once you're on dry land. But, of course, publishing um, deadlines mean that, you know, your book's not coming out for a year. Mm. It means that you're standing there promoting a, a memoir about a love story you know, after the love story is over, and yeah. um, we talked about that, and we talked about the repercussions of that, and we talked about her her latest um, her, her latest book as well. But she also was quite interesting too, because she she also began as a self published author, and then she, you know she had this dream run where she was picked up. The book came out. She was picked up not only um, by a, a New York agent and then an American publisher, but also by Uh, the film rights were were sold to a Hollywood, you know, production company within, you know, minutes via Twitter. Um, Mm. So, again, a really interesting um, conversation and just a great story. So definitely worth having listened to. So she was episode 202.
1: Yeah, great. And moving on uh, and still talking about memoir, though, I really enjoyed (laughs) reading Steve Bisley's memoir. And he was episode 207. And look, I, as I said in that interview, I was a water rat's tragic, and uh. so I really enjoyed um, talking to Steve for that mere fact alone. However, he is actually really uh, wonderful with words, and. The thing that I I was, I did read it from cover to cover, almost in one sitting, I, I was riveted. And I think that the thing that was really quite interesting about it, because we've interviewed celebrities before, where one of the interesting parts of their books is where they, it's full of, famous names. There's a lot of name dropping going on. I don't say that in a derogatory way. I just say that it's the fact that a particular celebrity has met all of these amazing famous people in and the various stories and, and associated with those scenarios that is interesting. But Steve wrote this book with the exception of mentioning the name Mel Gibson because of Mad Max. Um, mm. he, there was not a single name in this book. Oh. Not a single name. And so he wrote this book, Being in the Entertainment Industry for This Long, without naming one single person, and he did that on purpose because he really wanted the story and the writing to stand up for itself, not because we were starry-eyed that he had met X, Y, and Z. And I thought Ah. it was just extremely well done. And he was just an interesting interview as well in the way he Mm. has – Dealt with writing, uh, not dealt with writing in the way writing has helped him deal with um, depression, and Mm. the way that he has um, spring it used that or how the depression was the way he it 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 was the springboard to help Mm. him start to write in a way. Mm. Um, So yeah, fascinating interview uh, episode two hundred and seven.
0: Okay all right my last one for this particular exercise um and it was really difficult to choose these you know because we've done some terrific interviews like i you know um i could have named you know at least another five jacqueline harvey sophie green louise park emily gales like so many that were just amazing interviews but i chose for the last of my top five amazing interviews um with terrific tips i chose uh nicole alexander who i interviewed for episode 184 and the reason reason I chose Nicole um, specifically was the section of the interview where we talked about setting because setting is a really important part of her novels, her incredibly successful novels, um, because um, it's almost like another character in her, in her books. Um, and we I talked to her about how she did that, how she achieved that, what people need to think about when they're, when they're talking about setting and when you're kind of creating a world and what are the some of the details that that really make it come to life. Like how do you do that? Because you will often see people, you know, they'll reviewers will be like, oh, I loved this, this setting was like another character. And you think, what does that mm. even mean? How does that work? Mm. How do you do that, you know? Um, and she does it so incredibly well and she talks about it so incredibly well. Um, so it's only a small section of the of, of a very interesting and entertaining interview all around. But it's worth listening to just for that section again, you know, like, and it's, it's interesting, you know, because when I sat down to do this exercise and I I looked back at the number of interviews that we did last year and I looked Mm. back at, you know, at all, you know, honestly, Val, we just talk so much. I just don't even know (laughs) how we're still here. Um, and look at us still doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, it was, it was, uh, there were some that just instantly came to mind and this was one of them because it was, you know, about the setting and it made a massive impact on me. And so I hope that if yeah. you haven't listened to it, you will listen to it because it's really worth really worth it.
1: Okay, awesome. that's me. And what's your last Bye. one, Val? My final one, because I just had an absolute ball, was interviewing David Crystal, and that's episode one hundred and fifty two. And I can't tell you, so many people have said to me how much they have they enjoyed the chat with David Crystal because he's just he's just a classic. he's he's just so much fun. And he uh, so we interviewed him because of his book, um, Making Sense: The Glamorous Story of English Grammar. And <laughs> anyone who can make, grammar, glamorous, Mm. is, you know, oh. And I have many of David's books, including Spell It Out, The Curious, Enthralling, and Extraordinary Story of English Spelling. And I've also got uh, Making a Point, The Persnickety Story of English Punctuation. And his books are just as – Enjoyable as as his conversations, which are absolutely enthralling and engaging and super good fun, and he's yeah. just one of these people who's into words and language and punctuation, and and I think he said that um, when he was little, he was. Um, he grew up in Wales, and they spoke English in the household. But somebody across the road said something that he couldn't understand, and he was about three years old. And he said to his mum, oh, "Why can't I understand these people? What's going on? What's, what's my problem?" And she said, "Well, that's called language, dear." And she and he became really fascinated and mesmerised by language. Um, you know ever since he he was he was such a small child and he's made a career out of it he's studied it he's um he's written so many books on it he's researched it but the most important thing is he can regale you with story after story in such an entertaining way about this thing that we call language so i absolutely loved talking to david crystal and i hope to again sometime soon because it was so much fun uh, episode 152 Mm. So there you go. Right. There's our top there you
0: go. 10. If you want to, so if you have haven't a listened listen. to any of those, cue them up and get yourself, you know, organized.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right. So that almost brings us to the end of this week's episode. What will you be doing in the coming week, Al?
0: Oh, Val, let's just take a moment. Let's just take a moment to yeah. celebrate because yeah. I will be editing. Oh. And the reason that we are excited about this is that I have finally finished that first draft that feels oh. like it has taken me a thousand years. It's like the shortest manuscript I've ever written and it has taken me the longest time to do it and it's only because I've been so distracted by a million other things. But yes. it's done and I'm 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 in the process of reading it to to my youngest son, who is Mr. 11 now, and mm. um, he's, you know, just enduring me for the moment, which is lovely of him. <laughs> um, so I'm reading it to him and we, I'm just making notes and I need to do a, a, quite a bit of work on character development and stuff before I – before I uh, send it off to see whether my publisher wants it, so that's that's that'll be ne- the next challenge. But um, anyway, I'm just really happy to have finished it, so we're cheering. So that's what I'm that's doing. So what about you?
1: Good. Well, you know, because you finished it, and I think you finished it because also at this time of year, somehow there are fewer distractions and you can get stuff done. And I'm just trying to sustain that for the rest of the year. How do you? How do you reckon we can? Keep in this kind of space where there is breathing space, and we can get things like that done, like finish that first draft we've always wanted to finish. Any ideas? How do we? <laughs> how
0: do we maintain it? Oh, everyone yeah. else needs to be on holidays for starters, and not emailing us constantly, yes. so that would help. So okay. you get fewer. You know, like well, you know, but to be honest with you, like it's not an easy space for me because I've got the kids at home. Yes, so, true.
1: So I don't actually really want to maintain it that much. <laughs> but wouldn't it be but great if you could maintain it, and what, when your kids go back to school, well, it's even think, better. Well,
0: it would be. I think the thing to do. I look, I think the thing that that works for me at this time of year is just simply the fact that there's every it, it, uh, there's not as much call on my time from other people like outside. There's not as much external call because, as I said, everyone else is is on holidays or whatever. So find I, I don't and I like I finished a whole bunch of things before Christmas. I don't have things that everything else like I'm sensible enough these days to actually go I I can't do that until the first week of February. And so I, it, it's a, it's a, it's a creating time thing and I think that it's it comes back to the whole make time Val. You know, we have yes. to make time. And so somehow you have to find a way to shut down those external forces and that push and pull for, mm. for X, you know, for however much time you can manage each day to get the words written. That's what you need to do. And, I mean, well, you know that's It's a simple yes. thing and a really difficult thing. So you've got that's a clear true. space in your diary.
1: And speaking however, of making by time. By whatever means possible. Yes, this is the perfect time of year actually to check out Alison's course, How to Make Time to Write. It is, (laughs) this is the perfect time to actually set yourself up and make sure that you start the year in the way in which you hope for it to continue. And Alison's course, How to Make Time to Write, is just full of really, really practical, practical strategies because if there's one thing I know about Alison is she juggles 5,000 different things apart from being a parent, and writing all of the things she's heavily involved in the the school she's heavily involved in so many uh, community activities and i honestly doesn't know i honestly don't know how she does it but she has created this course which is very very popular and this is the perfect time of year to to check it out it's called how to make time to write and when you purchase how to make time to write you get as a bonus the 30 day writing bootcamp, which at the end of 30 days, you will have 10,000 words. And so many people are finding that very, very useful. So that comes with the course, How to Make Time to Write. So find out more at writercenter.com.au slash time. That's writercenter.com.au slash time. And make sure you check and- it out.
0: I've got a big Go shout on.
1: out here to KR yes. Cameron and everyone else who has started
0: the boot camp this month because um I know that you're all out there doing it. I got a message saying Day 1 boot camp be kind to me Alice and Tate <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> to which I responded hehe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Of you um, yeah, if you're doing the boot camp, um, you know, best of best of luck, well, not even best of luck, because you know what? You follow it, you'll get those 10,000 yep. words. Yep. But I hope that you're I hope you're hanging in there and um, keeping on, keeping on. So yeah.
1: Awesome. All right, where do we find you online now?
0: You'll find me at allisontate.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate A-L-T-A-I-T, and you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val?
1: You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Feel free to connect with me on Facebook. I'm the Valerie Koo who lives in Sydney. And also make sure you connect with both of us within the listener group on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community. We'd love to have you in there. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.